Welcome to the Jonathan Shuttlesworth podcast. To stay connected, go to revivaltoday.com. And now, here is Evangelist Jonathan. But in January, I found myself completely uh, crippled. I was confined to a bed. My central nervous system was completely destroyed by years of harmful medications. I had lost feeling in my face. I had lost feeling to control anything in my body. I convulsed for months at a time. It got to the point where it was too uh, too strenuous for three people to take me to the bathroom. At 33, I was in adult diapers. Pause real quick. I was completely hopeless. I was unable to sleep. Could- this is as close as you can get to raising somebody from the dead without them yeah, being dead. Yeah, because, because she's carried to the toilet, carried to the bed. You know, it takes two people to help. Gone. Can't move. Bedridden. Not, not it hurts to walk. Can't get out of bed. Lifted into the bathtub. So I, I don't want these details lost. And while, while it's paused, I might as well say, I can't help that these people say, you know, Jonathan prayed for me. I wish they left me out of the thing. It's Jesus that does it. We're the servant. So that's what I'm pointing you to. It, it, and even here tonight, so I'm anointing if you can get, if you'll receive the, the word of God is what I preach. And then the, the, the power of God comes behind the word. That's what will make you well and strengthen your body. If you can testify to that, can you say amen? Go ahead, guys. I not feed myself. Uh, I couldn't read. One day I was on YouTube. It said miracle service, just a, a picture, and it had Pastor Jonathan. I became borderline obsessive with Revival Today. I downloaded each app. I would turn on the 24-hour broadcast and just stick it under my pillow at night, and I would have Pastor Jonathan screaming in my ear all night. In the month of January, I slept only 10 hours. And so I should have um, had so many seizures that I would have died. That's what the doctor said. But I had Pastor Jonathan screaming in my ear. And so I became completely immersed. The word of God is living and active. And it was active, working in me. I didn't feel anything. I didn't see anything. The Bible doesn't lie. And to Pastor Jonathan will say, when you quote God, you're never wrong. I continued to speak the word of God. And I also learned how to pray. I don't know if any of you guys do afternoon prayer, but it is vital. I learned how to speak to the mountain, to speak to the circumstances. And at that point, I couldn't read. All I could do was listen. Finally, I started seeing some change. I decided, you know what? I'm not doing this wheelchair anymore. And so I instead had a walker and I would use the walker and still very much struggled. And I would beg people to take me to revival today. I said, if I could just go, if I could just get into the tangible presence of God, if I could just go, I finally convinced one of my caretakers to take me here in September. When we pulled in, there wasn't a parking lot here. And so we pull in and it's all rocky. And I'm thinking, how am I going to roll this stupid thing over here? So I tell my, my person, I said, just park here, get into the back. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's a long walk. But I felt the presence of God. I walked in and just looking, I felt the Holy Ghost just like a wall. It hit me and I just began to just tears. And it was like, 
I just felt the Holy Ghost, like putting my faith in action. And I knew that the Lord was meeting me where I was at. Afterwards, Evangelist Kofi laid hands on me and he prayed that God would expedite the healing work that had already become. So that was the uh, first week in September. So here I am today and that was the last day that I used a walker. The last day I used a walker. And I drove myself here. God made a way where there seemed to be no way. I drove myself. I carried luggage on the, to the second floor of a hotel. I took the stairs just because I could take the stairs. And I walked here and I parked really far away too. But in January, I that great. Give the Lord a, another great hand clap. That awesome. I want you, if you have your Bibles, open them with me to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Hebrews, the fourth chapter, the twelfth verse. I I can uh, say... Unless it happened a long time ago and I just don't remember. I, I don't remember a meeting I've been in where I felt in my spirit and I couldn't pick the people out. But that there's many young people that are called into the ministry here that God's going to... When I say the ministry, I don't mean you're going to volunteer at your church and help. And, I, you know, you kind of do have to differentiate. How I many know we're all ministers? Yes, in a way we are. But then there is also the call to full-time Christian service where he gave gifts to men. Some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists. My, my grandfather traveled as an evangelist and pastored. He would like bounce back and forth uh, based on what the Lord was calling him to do. So he got busy. Oh, somebody has a phone call from a 1960s office phone. <laughs> I'm going to believe God you get a breakthrough in your ringtone. Still using MCI for your phone plan. That's great. So he got, um, he got business cards made up and... Uh, he used out of Ephesians chapter 4, it's, it was supposed to say A.E. Shuttlesworth, some quote, dot, 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 some evangelists. He gave some evangelists. A.E. Shuttlesworth, some evangelists. But the printer didn't, you know, didn't know it. It messed it up and it said A.E. Shuttlesworth, some evangelist. <laughs> and, and he thought it was funny, so he kept it. Some evangelist, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. These are given for the perfecting of the saints and the work of the ministry. And so, yes, we are all called to win souls. But there's a grace that's on an evangelist where you can't pack Yankee Stadium out and Madison Square Garden out with lost people for six straight weeks and pay the bill cash like Billy Graham did without there being something added to your life. And then pastors, we're all called to make disciples. But then a pastor like Pastor Lou can, can do them three, four hundred at a shot. And it's, it, it's like, uh, it's just, it's an office that God gives and it's taught by Christ that there's the great shepherd, under shepherd, sheep, wolves, goats, wolves and sheep's clothing. Can you say amen? amen? So there are people here that are called into full-time ministry and that's something that God is restoring, uh, to the body of Christ. It's one of the reasons we started our Bible school because you have, think of this. Now I'm, I'm not picking on this denomination. I'm using them as a good example. 
They're the strongest one. But you take the assemblies of God. Think of this. At one point, they had to have schools in every region of the country to handle the influx of people that were getting called into the ministry. You had the Washington District Camp or Pacific District, whatever they'd call it, that would be packed with youth. You'd have the Pennsylvania-Delaware District packed with youth, 500, and went getting called into the ministry. So there wasn't enough. They had Central Bible College. That wasn't enough to handle it. Then you, then you had Green Lane, which became Valley Forge, Southeastern, Southwestern, which was, I think, three schools that merged together in Texas. And there still wasn't enough. Uh, they, they, they couldn't hold everybody. Now they're having to close the schools down or switch where everybody's studying English or child, early childhood education to become a school teacher because there's not, there's not the influx for people to go into the ministry uh, to sustain the school. And um, people should ask themselves what the problem is. There's a type of service that you get called into the ministry in. It's not the 80-minute, 85-minute model. There's, there, in Holy Ghost meetings, like last night, last night was the type of meeting where when people came to the altar, they might have been coming just to, to, to respond to what the Lord was doing in their heart, but God will start speaking to you on the inside that this is something I'm calling you to do in your youth, to give yourself to me. God doesn't wait till you're 40 or 50 to call you into fo- He does it actually when you're young. Samuel was a little boy serving in the temple, and he heard a voice and wake him up out of his sleep that he kept going into Eli, the, the, hey, excuse me, are you calling me? No, go back to bed, second time. No, I didn't call you, go back to bed. Then he gets it. If the voice calls again, answer, here I am, uh, uh, and he did. He said, here I am, and the Lord spoke to him. I've called you as a prophet, gave him a word as a boy that I like Eli, but he's mishandled his family. His two sons are chumps. That's my translation. They're stealing the offering money. They're having sex with the girls in the temple. Nothing's changed. You got that today. That's what, start helping yourself to God's money. Helps uh, Start helping yourself to the people. You take what doesn't belong to you. And so I'm going to take it from him, but I'm going to raise you up. Everybody say, raise you up. That's what, when you see things that are happening in church that trouble your spirit. I don't mean this. I'm talking in America. You say, oh man, these denominations are failing. And see, No, yeah, they're failing. But God said in his word, he'll never leave any generation without a witness. He's raising people up in America to preach the gospel, to work the works of Christ. The devil will not write the last chapter of American history. There are people in this room that God's going to anoint. There's people that are watching online. God's going to anoint you and use you to shake this nation, not by might, not by power, but by the spirit of almighty God. If you receive that today, can you say a living amen for what God's doing right now? So you preach the word. God sends people out. And I'm not, I'm not going to get into a study on the differences between the offices, but uh, all of them preach the word. A prophet doesn't just get somebody playing on the computer, on the uh, keyboard and everybody riled up and start shaking your head, trying to get a word. All ministry gifts function. The, the foundation is the handling of the word of God. If your ministry is dependent upon a certain type of praise and worship and music helps, I, I, I flew people with me and pay for their whole I believe in it. But if I had none of that, you could drop me anywhere if I have a Bible and, and, I, and I can take that place over with the word of God. Uh, Brother Ben, just so I can show people what I mean. Grab that video of me preaching in, uh, at Penn State University, because I would say unless you go to Yemen or Mogadishu, a United States or Canadian or European university would be the harshest place to preach. It's not the inner city. You know, 
mocking young people that have been trained to hate God and hate people that <coughs> preach the Bible. <coughs> Let me get one good cough. I had, a, I had an unfiltered cigarette just before service. And it was the worst idea. <coughs> All right, I'm good. Don't run me water. I'm fine. When people give you water when they hear you cough when you're preaching, it's like, I'm not a ventriloquist, so I'm not going to be drinking while I'm speaking. So I'm fine. So it'll show you because why? Why does it work? Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. If you haven't found it by now, I would just give up. The New Living Translation says, for the word of God, I like what that woman said. It's scriptural. For the word of God is alive and powerful. Think of that. Just that sentence you could take the whole night on. For God's word is living and active. In the New Living Translation, it's alive and powerful. You can't see it with your natural eye. But when you preach the Bible, there's something going in. It bypasses the head and it goes into the heart. With the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. That's why you may have left one of my meetings before. Pastor Lou preaches like that, where, where this would be true. You would leave one of his meetings and go home, and maybe the people in your home don't go to church here. And you say, man, that was the best message I've ever heard. And they say, well, what did he preach on? And you say, I don't know. <laughs> but it's not because he was disorganized or, or wasn't making sense. It was because it wasn't hitting you here. It was hitting you here. In fact, God's word is so living and powerful that somebody can be preaching. And it's like 15 minutes in. From 15 minutes in for the next 45 minutes, the Holy Spirit's been preaching the, his own sermon to you. And you didn't hear one other thing. But in that atmosphere, you were getting instruction about what to do next. And, you know, so, somebody, if, you're, if you're a preacher like me, people come up to you after you're done preaching. You know, while you were preaching tonight... The Lord gave me my next step to expand my lawn care business. You're thinking, I was preaching on uh, do unto others as you would have others do unto you. How did you get lawn care? And somebody say, the word of God, word of God is, living is living and active. So how powerful. Now combine that Hebrews 4.12 with Romans 1.16. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it. What's the it if you, di if you diagram the sentence? So say, you can say it. The word of God. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Je the word of God. For it, the word, is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. I'm glad I don't have to get ready for church and base how the service is going to go by how anointed I feel. Whether I feel anointed or don't feel anointed, the word is always anointed. And when you preach that, it is impossible for the word of God not to do its work. You're like loosing spiritual and rich uranium into a crowd. Devils will start manifesting in people while you're preaching. They can't take it. The heat of God's word as it builds gets too hot and it starts preaching things out of people. That lady essentially got healed listening to the word get preached into her ear, into her spirit. She started getting better. She got out of bed and started using a walker. And then God finished it off down in church. That's the power of God's word. And for some reason in America, it's been like we've had to choose. There's word churches that have no Holy Ghost. Then there's churches that are big on the Holy Ghost, but they don't have any word. My grandfather that I keep bringing up, he had a saying, all word and no spirit, you dry up. 
All spirit, no word, you blow up. There's no foundation. Those churches don't last. There's no foundation. But the word and the spirit agree. If you have the word, Jesus preached the word and then allowed the power to come behind it, you grow up into maturity. Can you say amen? That's what God's calling the church back to. You don't pick one or the other. You preach the word and then let the Holy Ghost come behind the word to confirm that those things are true. Somebody say God's word is alive. Teal Osborne was a great evangelist. R.W. Shambach had him come under the tent. Teal Osborne had a completely different ministry style than Shambach. They were both word preachers, but R.W. Shambach preached hard, like me and Pastor Lou do. Teal Osborne sometimes would have his whole sermon written out and read it, like little spectacles on it. And he, he had a real dainty voice. And so the Lord says that we're not to be sick. Amen. And the crowd just, so he gets in front of this guy, and my Uncle Ted had wheeled him into the wheelchair section. He had had his spine severed in Vietnam by shrapnel. And T.L. Osborne stands in front of him while he's preaching, and then he looks down at him and goes, the word of God's alive. Hallelujah. It's getting in your spine. He spoke like, like, like a French poet. He goes, it's shimmying into all the things into place. Shimmying. Shimming into place the things that need to be in place. And the whole crowd is staring at him because people get used to a ministry style. And then if people don't do, there's people they can't receive unless it's hard preaching. Or they can't receive from hard preaching. It has to be taught. But there's differences of administrations and differences of gifts. But it's the same Holy Spirit that gives to all. So then as he's speaking, he keeps speaking, standing in front of that guy. And a couple minutes went by. And that guy, who was not in a wheelchair because it hurt to walk, or, or he had trouble using one of his legs, he had a severed spinal cord uh, from shrapnel. It was either that I might be mixing two stories, or it might have been a motorcycle accident that broke, it, broke his back and severed the spinal cord. But I'm talking paralyzed. And all of a sudden, with him standing there, just like that lady in New York, the power of God's word coming into that person uh, stood him up, and he stood up in the tent, went ballistic. And my Uncle Ted said, I had to repent, because I realized it's not about, it's the, it's the power of God's word. Can you say Amen. And you can preach hard and have no power if it's not word. There's people that do that. Can't believe any man would have long hair. Hallelujah. Now, what scripture is that? Can't believe any woman would, would wear pants. It's a shame for a woman to wear pants. Scripture, please. That's just you, that's just you being angry and talking in a preacher's voice. And, and, and people, but it, somebody say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power. Of God at work, saving everyone who believes. That's what the Bible, the word itself is the power. And so I would encourage, and I know this is not a minister's conference, but I just, I, I'm just going with what's in my spirit about people that are calling to the, maybe there's a little me here that, that, that you, you can tell, even as a 14-year-old or whatever, that the Lord's going to take you to that place. We've moved away from lacing messages with the Bible. And you hear people now often say stuff like, on Sunday morning, let me read a scripture so that some religious person doesn't get upset. The Bible is not for religion. If, if liking to hear the Bible makes you legalistic and religious, then consider me Captain Legalist and Captain Religious. I love the Bible. That word is powerful. God honors his word above his name. I don't come for theatrics in a stage show. I come to be changed by the word of God and line my life up with this Bible. And as you line your life up with the Bible, you see its power begin to work on your behalf. That's what you're going to experience from 
tonight. The power of that word is not going to be out here somewhere. God's word is going to work mightily in you and through you in Jesus' mighty name. You know, you listen to the guys that God used to shake the nation. They, they had tons of Bible. Billy Graham said, I covenanted with God to never quote less than 70 scriptures when I preach. He wasn't doing that to be legalistic. He said, I, realized, I started to notice that the more word I used, the more power that was present to get the job done. There's a guy, uh, Charles Price. He's in heaven now. Where was he from originally? British Columbia? He was a healing evangelist uh, from around here. Well, he did a lot of his ministry in Oregon and Washington State. There were great revivals through here. And, and then he, he did Saskatoon, uh, Saskatchewan, British Columbia. He was a lawyer. And then he got saved. So his preaching style was different because he viewed the Bible as a constitution, the Christian's constitution. And so he'd preach from that perspective that we don't have to, you know, the Pentecostals back then, oh, Lord, please heal. No, we don't beg God. God told us this belongs to us. And so we use the word as, as the law and command infirmity to loose people. Well, I bring that up because he would stay at a place, one, uh, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, six weeks, and the crowd would build. He had a policy because he was British background and, uh, and lawyer trained. He didn't run like, like a free-for-all tent meeting. You had to fill out a card, your name, the sickness you were believing for God to heal, and what three sermons you have heard him preach live before he'd pray for you. Why did he do that? To make people come back to the meetings? No, because he realized that the more word people received, you know, I need prayer. No, first, you need to hear the word to build your faith so you can receive what the Bible says is yours. Otherwise, we just run around praying for everybody. Just skip the speech. But the word builds faith. So then, and then he'd do it very organized. They'd collect the cards. They were all numbered. And he'd say, tonight, I'm praying for numbers 1 through 201. And they'd get in line, and you had to have your card with you. And then he'd pray for them. People would be healed left and right. He did a meeting in Illinois. I'm talking to these guys, and this is going to come back again. He, doing it like that. He did a meeting in Illinois. It went six or eight weeks. They outgrew every building. That town, I looked it up on Wikipedia, what the population was back then. It was like 12,000 people. They had 60,000 first-time decisions for Christ by actual card count. They called the fire marshals in to shut down the meeting because there were too many people back then. Back in the early, you know, been dealing with the same thing. T.L. Osborne's tent got burned to the ground in Texas in 1950. There's never been some golden age of America where the devil just let the gospel be preached. Billy Graham, when he started, people don't know. When he preached in Alabama, he told them, I'll only preach in Alabama if you don't do segregated seating. And the pastors told him, okay, we'll allow mixed seating. When he got there that night, they had barriers set up, blacks only seating and white only seating. And gentlemanly Billy Graham didn't start out that way. When he saw it, the anger of God rose up in him. He ran off the platform and personally tore the barriers down, told everybody to stand up and sit together and broke through that racist spirit. The KKK told him they weren't going to let him out alive, but eat alive and preach 70 years because you can't stop the gospel of Jesus Christ. Where are the strong men? Where are the strong women that will bash the devil in the head and say, you're not going to set the rules of engagement? I'll tell you where they are. They're here in this room. 
Somebody say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Charles Price, somebody sent me his book because I kept referencing him. And he was saying that the, when the fire marshals came, they were so moved by what God was doing to the people that they started helping usher. And then because so many people came to the altar, they helped people fill out the salvation cards and get them processed. Chief of police, police, fire department. That's when we say revival. Sick of reading these idiots write about revival. You've never had anything. You haven't even had the R in revival. You haven't even had an er. I believe revival. You don't know what you're talking about. Revival where you pack out a building, have to move it out, pack out that building. And people are coming an hour early, hour and a half early crying. The crowd singing songs without being led into worship. A hunger for God that returns into the people. I'm telling you that's coming back into the West Coast. It's here in Oregon. It's going to hit Washington State. It's going to hit Northern California. It's going to hit Central California. The devil will not have the left coast of America. This place has been shaken before and it'll be shaken again. Not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit of Almighty God. Can you say amen? Amen. So I'm telling you how it works. It works by the word. We're going to have everybody meet at the stadium in Portland and just pray over the city. That's not going to do it. Now you could do that if the next week you're then going to have a crusade to preach. But prayer does not trump preaching. Prayer fuels you to preach. But if you don't preach, nobody gets saved. We're not saying that in the Bible. Glad you asked. It's through the foolishness of preaching that God's chosen to save those that are perishing. Preaching. What's preaching? Yelling the Bible. What's teaching? Telling the Bible. Love you, Brother Jesse. Stole your line. That's what Brother Jesse said. I thought it was a good Cajun definition. Teaching is telling and preaching is yelling. The forceful declaration of the word of God. Stand up and let it rip. Talk about sin. My dad, the four. And I'll tell you, there's power on it. I was at a youth camp when I was 16 that my dad was preaching. And they put me and my cousin Teddy that you see preach in this dorm with all these kids that they drove up from the Teen Challenge in Connecticut, outside of New York City. They were rough kids. They weren't Christians. They weren't close to Christians. They were like court ordered to be there. And my dad preached the first night. They were laughing. Wouldn't stand up for praise and worship. This is the dumbest thing I've ever been to under this old wooden tabernacle. And then my dad gets up to preach. And, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, oh, shoot. You know, number one, it's my dad. So I'm like taking it personally. That they're sitting with their arms crossed, like, this isn't going to go good. I wish somebody would come up that could more kind of just like explain things to them. And my dad preaches on the four stages of sin out of Achan. I still remember people. How many of you know they won't remember what we said? They'll remember what we did. That's what people say that don't know how to preach. If you preach, I can recall messages from 25 years ago that shook me up and changed the course of my life. I pray tonight is a meeting that changes the direction of your life. Forever in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? amen? My dad's preaching on the four stages of sin from Achan. That Achan, when he stole what belonged to God, I saw some items. I coveted them. I took them and I hid them. Same thing David did. I saw Bathsheba. I wanted her. 
I took her. Then he went to cover up the crime. So he talked about the four stages of sin. The looking at it, not guarding your eyes, which then produces the desire for it. Then the participation in it. And my dad, I'll tell you the whole story. I heard it one time. Never left me. That then people start dealing with a sin problem when they're engaging in it, which is step three of four. You deal with it first by what your eyes are the window to the soul. Guard your heart for out of it flows the issues of life. What you look at today, you'll be where you're looking today is where you'll be living tomorrow. Guard your heart for it'll affect everything you do. You actually pre-program your life by what you load into your heart. What goes into your ears? If I could pick the music you listen to, I could have you commit suicide in 18 months. I'll, I'll have you listen. If I could pick that 10 hours a day, you have to listen to certain kind of music that the person has a spirit of suicide on them or committed suicide. Their music carries depression. It carries a spirit of depression. I could create an atmosphere that would kill you. It would load your heart with it. And on the flip side, if I could pick like that lady, what did she change? She changed what was coming in her ears. And it saved her life. Many people that are on the path to destruction tonight, you're going to come out of that forever in Jesus' mighty name. Where you're looking today, you'll be living tomorrow. And he used this as a supporting scripture that uh, Lot built, pitched his tents toward Sodom, looking at Sodom. A couple chapters later, where's he living? Sodom. That's why they put NFL games on for free and basketball games on for free. You watch it long enough, you find a way to get 375 bucks for a ticket and get there. What you watch produces a desire to go. And my dad's preaching on that. And then uh, he, he, he hits the anointing hard and is preaching hard. And the Holy Ghost came on my dad. And he, he put his Bible down. And he's not <laughs> one to do this. Took his suit coat off and went, whoa and started dancing across the stage, crying and shouting. And I thought, oh, God. Why tonight? You know, I was feeling it. I was thinking, these people already thought he was nuts when he was communicating normally. And then now you do that, they're, they're going to leave. And I worked up the nerve to look behind me. They were sitting in the row behind me. And every one of those boys from Teen Challenge that were gang members and all that had their hands up crying. And came to the altar. And the next night when he preached on the baptism of the Holy Ghost. My, and invited people to come and pray with other kids. My cousin and I prayed every last one of them through. To the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They hugged us on their way back to Connecticut. That's revival. It's the power of God. Taking out people's hard hearts. From years of abuse. And years of problems. And setting them on fire. With the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And giving them a passion for church. And for God. That's what God's doing this week. Oregon shall be shaken. By the power of God. And it works everywhere. Works in Sturgis. At the motorcycle route. I proved it. That's why I love that I'm not a Scientologist. I don't have to lure you into a building on a Saturday for a personality profile. That's what cults do. Cults can never proclaim what they believe on the outside. You have to become a member. If you're a Mormon, you're allowed in the lobby. Then as you become a member, they'll teach you what they really believe. They won't tell you as an outsider. But for the gospel... The Bible says, what I say to one, I say to all. No scriptures of private interpretation. Go and just declare that Christ, God in the flesh, came to the earth, died.
died for your sins, rose from the dead, and is coming back again. And someone can have never heard it one time in their life, but a Holy Ghost lasso goes out and pulls them into the altar. Hallelujah. We had a revival three weeks in, in Dillsburg, Pennsylvania. And what happens in revivals? A kid got stirred up going into his senior year of university. And he said, I don't want to leave the way I found this place. I want to do something for God before I graduate. So he gets a, a you know, he had to threaten the administration. I want to get a permit to do a, 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 a program on the intramural field at Penn State. What's it for? Bible, oh, we don't allow that. Well, then I, I told him, go tell him, if you've ever allowed it to be used for anything, you have to allow it to be used for anything. You know that? If you go start a Bible club at your high school and the principal tells you, we don't really do that. If they have any other clubs, if you allow there to be an LGBT club and you say we can't have a Christian club, that's open and shut religious discrimination. You tell me, I will give you a lawyer for free. And by the time we're done, the school will be named after you. Stop thinking it's Christ-like to get walked on by the devil. This country's open. It's open for the taking. Don't allow it to fall into evil people that are aggressive. The most aggressive people should be holy men and women that want to see their generation taken by the power of God. Hey, come on if you receive that. Put those Oregon hands together. Put those Idaho hands together. Put those Washington hands, British Columbian hands, California hands. Announce to the devil, you will not have the West Coast. Somebody say it so the devil can hear you. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God at work. Saving everyone who believes. Now, everybody doesn't believe. Don't let it make you cry. They didn't believe Jesus. They mocked Jesus. They mocked Paul. The Bible said some said this fool has picked up some strange ideas. That's Paul who saw Christ. It wasn't a lack of the anointing. People have free will. God couldn't keep Adam and Eve in the garden. So don't get your panties in a bunch. We had a family leave our church. You'll have more leave your church. People are flighty. People leave their marriages. People leave their children. Don't take it personally. People, people that's people. But you go after the people that are hearing it. Don't hone in on who's not getting it. Hone in on the person. That's, that's the lesson I learned. Don't hone in with the, on the guy with his arms crossed sitting in the Hone in on the 14-year-old that's on the edge of their seat. That you can tell it's firing into their spirit. Preach it into them. Raise people up out of your meetings. Raise people up that'll go out with the fire and win the lost and heal the sick and cast out devils. Hallelujah. So he gets his permit. They charge him $23,000. He raises it in six weeks. I dealt with that this morning. Use your faith. You didn't say, well, I'm a college student. How am I going to get 23? You got a plan. He asked his pastor, can I announce what I'm doing? He said, sure, you can announce it. But they didn't let him take an offering, of course, because then you could lose money for the church because God has a limited amount. God has a pie of money. And if somebody takes one slice, then there's not enough for everybody else. That's what the Bible teaches. 
So he announces what he's doing, and people come up and stuff money in his hands and pockets. And he, he got it in one Sunday in a little, little farming town. Can you say amen? amen? And so he does it. So he said, I'm gonna, I have a plan that God gave me. Incoming freshman weekend. All the freshmen want to party, but they're from out of state and out of town. They don't know where to go. So we're going to announce it as incoming freshman weekend. I'm going to have DJs on, on the stage, but then I'm going to have you come up and preach at the end. Well, number one, there's a thousand almost all unsaved university students. So it's not like it's a, it's not like there's a bunch of praying church ladies in their eighties that have been praying in tongues for 40 years. It's, it, it's the most hostile type crowd you could have to preach to. I've preached in the inner city. I've played the videos for you before. You know, the people are very receptive. Adults that have been through the ringer aren't very cocky. It's like prison. I've preached in, I've preached in violent offender wing of prison. It's one of the easiest places you'd ever preach. Nobody has any pride. Nobody's sitting there. I actually know everything. No, they're, they're there. They're broken. I tried my way. This is where it got me. What do you have to say? But then 18, 19, you know everything. And you ever taught in public school to hate your guts. And on Viacom and movies, you just want their money, even though there's no offering being taken. So you have all that to go up against. Then plus the music, it's secular DJs. Wouldn't matter if it was Christian DJs. It's not anointed music. So I went out in the woods and prayed. And I said, Father, when you called me into the ministry, when I was seven, uh, eight years old, you knew that this opportunity would open up. I know I'm here. I know, I know I'm supposed to be here, but I need your help to reach this crowd. And then God cut me right off. He said, for the first seven minutes, they're going to be very harsh to you. Don't address them or you'll lose the crowd. Don't say, guys, come on, if you could just be respectful. It'll unite them. And he said, you'll lose the service. Just keep speaking in love and keep quoting scripture. And I remember that Billy Graham thing. I covenant with God never to quote less than 70 scriptures. Now, that doesn't make any sense. When people already don't believe the Bible, why are you going to quote the Bible to them? Because it carries power. And it actually starts, it's almost like if the crowd is dried spaghetti sauce on a plate that's been left overnight. Instead of you trying to scrub it off, it's like leaving it in warm dishwater with, with the Dawn soap. And then if you do that, then you can just run the water and it comes right off. That's kind of like what the Word does. As you lace the atmosphere... With the Bible, it actually will take over any atmosphere. If this church, how many seats are out tonight? If, five, if all 500 plus seats were filled with witches, card-carrying witches, with their brooms parked in the lobby, <laughs> it wouldn't change anything because they can't overrun the atmosphere of the Word. The Word is a sword. It's not a Kleenex box. Think of how powerful the word is that with all the wicked things the devil wants to do on the West Coast, he can't do it until he gets one book out of school. For all the things he wants to teach young people about gender confusion and mess them up, the same people that stand up for First Amendment free speech to get pornography in school, the same people say, but there's one book that we are not for under the First Amendment that we feel is too dangerous, that indoctrinates children. The same people indoctrinating children about wicked things, if you post anything online with an eight-year-old on a Sunday quoting John 3.16, look at them indoctrinating those children. Oh yeah, we do. Because the devil doesn't wait till somebody turns 25 to start showing them sin. Some of you got your life 
life derailed at four and five and six, the devil goes after you in the womb. Why should the church wait till people are 30 and have been through the ringer? Preach the word. Preach it to children. Preach it to teenagers. Preach it to young adults. Preach it to everybody. Timothy, preach the word. Devote yourself to the reading of Scripture until I get there. Preach the Bible. Preach it and keep preaching it. Why are you doing 10 a.m. and 7 p.m.? Keep preaching. I can't come twice. Then don't go. Preach. That's what a preacher's job is. Not to enjoy the scenery. I'm going to go hiking at Mount Hood and then I'll be back for six. Look, if you want to go on vacation, go on vacation. I, don't, I will. I went on one in Arizona, never preached one time, never told one person about Jesus. Even if someone opened up to me about their problems. I'd been preaching for two, I, I, I took a week and a half off. Boy, I'm having a bad day, I'm just sorry to hear about that. I'm sure you can find a minister somewhere who can help you. But right now I'm wearing shorts and hey dudes and I'm out of here. Somebody say preach the word. Preach the word. Preach the word. Preach the Bible. Because the Bible carries the power. You know what's interesting? The Bible carries so much power, even people that don't believe in the power part of it end up operating in the power as they preach the Bible. Jerry Falwell was a Baptist from, <coughs> from the part of the Baptist church that, that believes that the, the gifts and operation of the Holy Spirit that was in the book of Acts died out with the last apostle. But when he started Liberty, he was preaching a chapel and the man that was helping him, his right-hand man that was going to be head of the school, you know, he's a preacher like me. We don't know anything about academics. He was raising the money, getting Liberty built, and then this guy was taking care of the academic end. He got diagnosed with stage four cancer. So in the middle of his Baptist sermon, he goes, now listen, many of you have heard that brother so-and-so has cancer. I can't lose him. God gave him to me to help me start this school. We're going to pray that God drives the cancer out of his body. Oh, what happened? What happened, Mr. Baptist? What happens is nobody started off, you know, where did the Pentecostal movement come from? There weren't any assemblies of God, church of God in Christ in the entire country. It didn't exist. People started reading the Bible and preaching the Bible and stuff would start to break out in their meetings. You remember Billy Graham that I brought up? Did you know he went to South Korea and preached a crusade there? And at the altar call, a lady started screaming out in Korean, obviously. So he didn't know what she was saying. 68 years old. And he said to the interpreter, all he preached on was, I was blind and I can see, talking about the man that, and how we're spiritually blind. But then God opens our eyes, preaching a Baptist message. This lady comes to the altar and starts screaming in Korean. What she's saying, the interpreter's crying. She's saying, I was born blind and I can see everything. I can see the white man on the platform and, and telling tell everything that she could see. He put that in his magazine and he wrote in a paragraph, he said in a paragraph, Maybe there's more to Isaiah 53 than some of us realize. That was his diplomatic way of keeping his credentials. Amen. Yeah, he wasn't going, but the word. That lady never got talked out of it. She heard blind eyes, and he opened the eyes of the blind, and her faith attached to it. And God not only saved her soul, he opened her blind eyes. I tell every person that's here tonight, I tell every person watching online, God's not only going to save your soul, he's going to give you back what the devil stole, what sickness stole, what disease stole, what depression stole. He'll restore the years that the locust and cankerworm took from from you. Come on, if you receive it, take 30 more seconds. Clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God. 
I'm not ashamed. Say it. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me tell a couple more stories now that my blood pressure is up. His word is alive. His word is active. More word, the more power. Don't explain it away, just preach it. And people, and Jesus opened the man's eyes that were born blind. Now, uh, now we don't do that today. Shut, just shut up with your thing. Say what it says. How many of you know Jesus made the crippled men to walk? Many of us have been crippled by society. No, he didn't heal someone that was crippled by society. He healed someone that couldn't walk with withered legs. Are you the Messiah or should we look for another? Go and tell your master the things you've seen today. The blind see, the deaf hear, the cripple walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the poor are having the gospel preached to them. That's what separates Christ. Nobody gets healed in a Mormon temple. No one ever will. There's no power. Buddha's dead. You don't get anything. There's no healings there. Man, T.L. Osborne was preaching in Asia. The door opened up for him to preach in Asia. You know, these guys preach places. He got ticked off the first night because he's telling the people about God and he keeps hearing his interpreters say Buddha. So he says after, hey, quit telling him about Buddha. I'm here trying to go in the other direction. And the guy told him, Buddha is the word in in that language for what? God. There is no other word. That's the only religion there. He was preaching in rural Asia. No one had ever heard the gospel. There was no word for the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So he sat down with them before the next night, and they made up a word in that dialect for the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yeah, that's where those guys went. And he's preaching the next night, and all the Buddhist monks are out and top Buddhists to listen, give them a, a hearing. And then all of a sudden, while he's preaching, everybody in the crowd went like this. And he didn't see it. He just thought, you know, you're in a new culture. Maybe that's, they do that instead of clapping. <laughs> and he found out, he gives the altar call, the entire 100% of the tens of thousands of people came to the altar to renounce Buddhism and give their life to Jesus Christ. As he was telling them about Christ, Christ appeared behind him like this with his nail-starred hands and stood there and everybody saw it. And they went everywhere and preached. And the Lord worked with them. Not instead of them. Lord, we just ask you to go into the Middle East where we can't go. Not can't, won't. I had a minister ask me about that. He's in, uh, he's in my, my mentorship group. He said, now I hear you talking about how we need to start churches and big churches. He said, but I'm in the Middle East. So, you know, we're not allowed to do that. I said, if you read the book of Acts, they were in the Middle East and they also weren't allowed to do it. You can't invent your own form of Christianity that works in accordance with government religions. If you're watching from Canada. There's a Vax pass in our lobby. We just ask you. No, no, no. You're you're finished. Your building's going to be up for sale. Build a big church. I told the guy, I said, anything you compromise to keep, you lose. If you try to stay small to avoid persecution, you'll end up getting killed. I said, what will happen is if you do what the Bible says, God didn't call you there to die. called you there to build a church. You might die at the end. But nobody took Paul's life from him. I just read Acts 27 the other night. He didn't go over there. What about Paul? He was martyred. Yeah, after preaching for 40 years. 
That's how he went to heaven, instead of at an old folks' home with vanilla pudding dribbling down his chin. It's a more honorable way to go. I've thought of doing that. I've thought of, like, when I turn 85, just book, like, an open-air crusade in Tehran or Mogadishu and just let it rip and then have the, have the locals send me home. Amen. We'll kill you. That's what happened with Paul. Before, anytime they tried to take him out before he's done, they stoned him to death and he popped up. Anyway, I'm not preaching on that, but I did a little bit. I said, and I'll tell you what will happen. Everything works the opposite of how you think. You, you, whatever you try to keep, you'll lose. That's what Jesus said. Anyone that tries to keep their life will lose it. But anyone that gives their life away for my sake and the sake of the gospel will find true life. I said, I know how God works. If you start just publicly starting a church and disregarding the rules, what will happen is I said, some sheiks, Son that's addicted to heroin, because I told you, everybody's the same everywhere. Senators have kids with drug problems. A president right now has a son with, with, that has problems. People, families need help. Doesn't matter. That DeMario uh, from, from the New Orleans Saints, they gave that testimony. His daughter had a seizure just before. The, people need healing. That's why the gospel works in every strata. You take rich, rich people. Their wife has a, a, a breast cancer that's inoperable and all their money. You just get a better quality doctor that tells you there's nothing we can do. Can you say amen? Yeah. But Jesus never tells anybody there's nothing we can do. And I said, you'll have some sheik son come and get delivered from heroin. And that sheik will find out about it. And he'll all of a sudden say, we don't allow churches except for you. And I'm going to build you a church. That's happened all through history. So do it. I'd and anyway, I'd rather die. I'd rather die than have some. I told a guy that one time that was ticking me off when I was in my 20s. I was fasting and praying, believing for the things that are starting to happen now. You, know, you need to be careful fasting. You could, you know, I know a guy that fasted and died. I kept saying it. The guy had a church of under 20 people. You need to be careful fasting. You could die. I kept telling me that. So after the third time, you know, number one, I'm already not the most well-behaved person. And then when I'm hungry, it compounds. <laughs> so after he told me I could die the third time, I said, I'd rather die than have your church. Yeah. So I was never invited back. <laughs> but I know the Lord heard me and gave me a hand clap. I'd rather be dead than be you. Some little church that nobody ever gets saved. Never, you, you'll live and die. Nobody will ever know. You're the kind of guy when you die, you're dead for five days before people realize you died. Yeah, there's people like that. I'm not being mean. I am being mean, but I'm making a point. Is that the life you want to live? You protected your life? That was the whole COVID thing. If, to stay, if the point of life is to stay alive, you count me out. People not hug their grandkids for two and a half years so they can stay alive. What's the point of living? Shut yourself up in your room. Life. That's not living. The point of life is not to stay alive. The point of life is to repent, get saved, get baptized in the Holy Ghost, and make an impact. An impact. Somebody say impact. Oh, yeah. I'm not dying tonight. I'm not dying for a long time. But if I died tonight, people would know by 10 to, 1045 tomorrow morning. Maybe they'd get me to 1110. He's running late. If I died after that, they'd know by, by 8 o'clock. I'm impacting people. People are depending on me. Forty-some families back in Pittsburgh, they draw their paychecks from our ministry. If I go missing, people notice. That's what God has for you. 
to mask up and stay alive. Don't touch me. Don't get near. No. To go out and touch people. Those old evangelists from the 60s were flying to countries that were closed to United States diplomats. Morris Sorello got some of his trips paid for by the CIA because they had never been to Uganda. We'll pay for your flight over there. Just tell us what the airport looks like, what the people are like, how many channels their television gets, what the name of the channels are. That kind of never been. Stuff that was closed that the president couldn't go to started to open up for those evangelists. Can you say amen? amen. How? T.L. Osborne's praying one day with his wife, Daisy, and the Lord tells her, go to Uganda to Idi Amin. Idi Amin. There's a psychopath. Fearful dictator, burning his people alive out in the streets that opposed his regime. Go to him, and when you go to him, I'll tell you what to do. A woman, white woman, to, to, to an African dictator. If you know anything about culture, if you've got a C minus in sociology, she walks in without an appointment like Moses, walks right up to him, not knowing what to say or do. That's how the Lord works. The gifts of the Spirit are like headlights on a car. The further you go, the more you see. And when he gets close to, when she gets close to him, she gets down on her knees, puts her hands on her feet, on his feet, and starts praying in tongues, waiting for her head to get lopped off or dragged away and shot. And as she keeps praying in tongues, she feels hot water hitting the top of her head, and she looks up, and Idi Amin is submerged in the anointing like this. What is that power? He says to her. She said, "That's what I." would like my husband to come and tell you about and your people. Well, when a dictator keeps Christianity out of a a region or a country, if they flip around, they can make it mandatory to go to the meeting. He said, I'm going to give you the soccer stadium. It'd be like like doing that to Kim Jong-un. All media state controlled, so they play the crusade on every channel. He said, I'm going to put it on secular TV. Have your husband come come here and, and, and preach as long as you want. T.L. gets there on the first night. Now, what happens is when, when the gospel has not been preached in a place, it's why you're starting to have witchcraft and Antifa move in in Portland and, and parts of California and, and uh, Washington. If the gospel, if light goes out, darkness comes in. But if light turns on, darkness goes out. So... You know, when you have places that have never had the gospel, plus they couple it with blood sacrifice to idols, there is manifestations of demonic power there that are different. The gospel, the gospel being preached, like what we're doing tonight, it, it restrains those forces over a nation. So he's preaching. He wouldn't tell this story. He didn't like anybody like giving credit to the devil. He hated like spooky missionary stories, but it happened. He's preaching. The top witch doctor elevates about 30 feet over top of the crowd with his skull, human skull staff, long robe, long beard, and starts approaching him in midair. So what do you do? They don't teach you about that in Bible school. <laughs> Listen, guys, Thursday we're going to talk about what to do if someone becomes a Mortal combat character in your meeting. <laughs> So when you, when you have an interpreter, when you have an interpreter, it gives you a chance to pause and talk. So when the guy's interpreting for him, T.L. standing there with his little notebook, and he goes, 
Lord, what do you want me to do? Like, you know, that guy's coming to kill me. He's not coming to become a ministry partner. <laughs> Lord said, just keep preaching. So he does. They had a big area in the front cleared for altar ministry for people to come forward and get saved. And as he goes over the crowd and gets to the cleared area, the Lord said, now point at him and command him to fall. The most powerful witch doctor, in the, everybody knew who he was. And he said in his nice voice, I command you to fall in Jesus' name. And the guy, he didn't like fall. It was like he got summer slammed in the ladder match. He went, it was like when he commanded him to fall, some angel grabbed him. <laughs> and and, and he, he got slammed to the ground and died. I know, Christians are always sad when the witch doctor dies. Man. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's what happened. It didn't end with him becoming a Paw Patrol character or whatever you were hoping for. He died. And then when he died, let me ask you a question. If the man that wielded the greatest spiritual power in that nation, some little guy came over, said, I command you to fall, and he died just like that without even expending any energy. What does that do to the people? They realize this ain't some white guy from America coming to tell us about a Western religion. This is a man that's sent on a mission from heaven to tell us about a God who's come to set us free. That night, the people came forward and messed. You know, that's why the Assemblies of God ended up kicking T.L. Osborne out. He never had an affair or anything, never was accused of it. They were mad because he had more money coming into his ministry than the entire uh, Department of Foreign Missions put together. They didn't like it. So they, you know, they don't like it because he couldn't be controlled. That guy, Teal Osborne had a multi-million dollar ministry in the 1950s. And you know what his tagline was? For every dollar that's given to our ministry, we can, we can show you a soul that's been converted to Christ. So if they had seven, and, and that, that's in when money was money. I know they said on TV that inflation isn't really a thing. But if you look at 1950s prices. So he has $17 million come in his ministry in a year. There's 17 million decisions for Christ. By actual card count. And that guy shook those nations. And th there are guys in America like Charles Price that shook this place. 60,000 decisions for Christ in a town of 12,000. It was rural Illinois, not Chicago. Now, it happened before you. Think, well, America was different back then. It was arguably worse. Yeah, I know people don't believe that. They think America, they think it was a Norman Rockwell painting back then. I'm not trashing America. But I'm telling you from somebody who's, whose grandparents and great-grandparents lived in coal mines. Non-stop alcohol, beaten wives, fighting at saloons. The murder rate in Tombstone, Arizona and Dodge City was over a hundred times higher than, than the Chicago murder rate. Everybody on opium with open carry, not good. You almost didn't want to win a hand of cards. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Pastor Lewis told me today about where he used to live in, in Utah. That in the early days, the, the Mormons, uh, there was a caravan of Christians coming back from California. They dressed up as Native Americans and killed every last one of them. That's just always gone on. There used to be families. There used to be it, all the things there are now. There has always been sin. 
The main difference is not that there didn't used to be sin and demons and witchcraft. It's that there used to be men and women of God that did not go into the ministry as a profession. They went in to rescue the perishing and care for the dying. But I got news for the devil. I got news for America. That generation is coming back again. Out of this generation, men and women will rise up. Old men, old women, young men, young women that carry the torch of the God gospel to their generation come on celebrate ahead of time take 60 seconds do what the bible says clap your hands all ye people shout unto god with the voice of triumph the devil is defeated say it out loud the word is alive it's alive in me while I'm, you can be seated. While I'm giving homage to T.L. Osborne, I might as well tell you something else he said that's worth remembering. The gospel is not only good news. It must be preached as breaking news. Can't get old to you. Preach it like Christ just ascended 30 minutes ago and the angels told you, go tell everybody. We're just going to take, I know it's Wednesday night, many of you are tired tonight. We're just going to take a couple of, quit, quit. I told him, I can't remember who I was talking to, my cousin, or Abraham. I don't know how I could get those two people confused. One's 65270, the other one's Ghanaian Spud Webb. I said, I'm going to write a book called Quit. <laughs> Everybody write books, don't quit. I'm going to write a book called You Should Quit. <laughs> Five signs you're not called into the ministry. <laughs> well, you guys get your feelings hurt easy. I didn't say I'm going to write it to you. I said, I'm going to write it. <laughs> so it won't be addressed to anyone in particular. Just everyone in general. Guys, I know it's Wednesday night. Many of you were up earlier. Just gonna, I know we have school in the morning. Just apologizing for your message before you ever get up. It's the only place it's done in the, in the world. You know, go sit down at a restaurant table. No, you've had a long day. You know, we're just gonna. We're, and look, here, give me your menus. We're just gonna give you some food real quick in to-go containers. We don't want to hold you up. And um, if you feel led to give anything, <laughs> feel free to let the check pass you by. Just opening your sermon up with an apology. I can tell that guy spent no time with God. There's no chance that you could have prayed in tongues for three days and got along with God and got a message from God and feel like coming up and giving an apology for it before you start. Sorry that I have to take some of your time. You know, I'll be real brief tonight. I'm going to give one more point. Is that okay with everybody? Is that okay? Okay. Just quit. Please quit. You're not a preacher. You're as much a preacher as I am a spaceman. So... Quit. You lost the fire. You're boring. You misrepresent Christianity. And you're not going to get it back. People are who they are by the time they're 45 or 50. If they've been born again and filled with the Holy Ghost, there's nothing left to give them. So at some point, you died. People die on the inside before they die on the outside. You quit. Your ministry's over. Your life's over. And you don't even realize it yet. You got the plug pulled on you. That's why God's replacing. That's why all these churches are for sale in California. In Oregon, God, you mark my words, they will not sit empty. God is going to quickly. They will not be able to build Bible schools big enough or quick enough.
to hold the influx of people. I prophesy, I've never said this before, I tell you by the Holy Ghost right now. The day will come in America where it's as celebrated for your kid to, go, to, to be called into the ministry as it is if they got a Division I football scholarship. Like it is now. It'll be the pinnacle of raising your child. It'll be celebrated by parents instead of, instead of looked down upon. You tell somebody you're called to Bible school now, your Christian parents basically have a funeral dinner. All right, if you're sure, you know, we really wanted to see you get a good job and stuff, but if you want to waste your life in the ministry, that's fine. Christian parents, not, not unsaved parents. Christians talk like that. You know, my son, he, he says he's still called to the ministry. We told him, that's fine, but we want you to get a master's first. So you have something to fall back on in case Jesus screws up, you know. <laughs> People are miserable in their own lives and then recreate that same life for their child. You're not happy working for your mortgage. I'm not talking to you. I'm saying you general. I wish we had to the Spanish language where there's the general you. Vosotros. I don't mean you. I mean you. People are miserable paying their bills off. Then they're telling their kid to get in the same track. And, you, and it's your fault. You took the kid to the altar when they were just out of the hatch and had the pastor dedicate them to the Lord. That's a dangerous, if you don't want that, then don't do it. But if you dedicate your child to the Lord, the day will come where the Lord will, will take you up on it and say, remember that child you presented to me in the altar? Remember when you were in the labor ward and having a difficult pregnancy and you said, Lord, if you'll give me the child, I'll give him back to you. You gave him to me and now I'm putting a call and I'm not calling him to ruin his life. I'm calling him to take him to the top to impact his generation. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. Those kids are going to be very harsh to you for the first seven minutes. Seven minutes doesn't sound like a long time, but it's a long time to have people yelling over top of you while you're preaching. And it looks like it's not going well. Don't address them. Keep quoting the word. And then the Lord gave me this word of wisdom that was so helpful. He said they look like big, tough 19-year-olds and 18-year-olds. But remember that 10 years ago, they were only eight and nine. Well, I thought, well, yeah, I can do math. And he said, there's a 10-year callus that's built up on their spirit. But the word will wash it away. And as you, as you speak the word into their spirit, you'll watch, their, you'll watch them transform from 19-year-olds back to 8- eight, eight and 9-year-olds on the stage. Now, when you watch this, I preached for 28 minutes. But we narrowed it, we, we, we narrowed it down to a four-minute clip or whatever. Watch how they are in the beginning, chanting over top of me. We are Penn State! We are, and mocking me every time I'd pause. Hallelujah! Amen. And then watch. Watch what the word does. If you'll get the word, if, you, if you're opened up, don't say something dry. I can only cover so much in one night. Everybody say good news. Good news. You know, you don't say, now people have sinned and they're going to hell. That's true. But that's not good news. And deep down, people already know they're going to hell. That's why, that's why they close their churches down. Because they're not, they're afraid to die. Yeah, you know, I, I wonder about people who shut their churches down, whether they're saved. Why are you so afraid of a virus? If you die, you go to heaven. Well, the virus is real, it could kill you. I know. You ever read in the Bible where you go after that? 
It's a win-win. So what do you worry? It makes me wonder whether you're saved or not, to be honest. And I'm only saying it makes me wonder to be kind. I don't believe you're saved. I don't believe you know the Lord. I believe you sold out. You sold your, your soul out. You're going to lose your church while I'm prophesying. There, there's a bunch that are going to go up for sale that are hanging on by a thread. The thread's going to get cut. There's actually a second separation of the tares and wheat that's coming right now. Some people made it through the first one by the skin of their chinny, chin, chin, but they've never corrected corns. And there's, that's what this thing that's happening right now, where they just, they're sending at-home COVID tests. You know why Biden's sending at-home COVID tests to everybody today? Because you can't get the numbers up because nobody will pay to have tests done. So they, can, they don't have any numbers. So they're going to do it. I'm happy. If they reinstitute everything, our church will grow by a thousand people within two weeks because those churches will shut right back down again and people will leave like they should have already left and go to a place where the Holy Ghost is. So you do whatever you want. You can't curse me. God's blessed me. I know the track I'm on and I'm going to stay on that track. And I'm telling you, you're going to leave this meeting tonight. You're going to know what track you're on. You're going to fulfill the call of God on your life. Finish your race and win your prize. Somebody shout amen like thunder. Shout amen like thunder. Amen. So I'm playing this for you not to show off my ministry. I'm showing you if you have to preach to college kids. Everybody say good news. Good news. We're out, we've all sinned and fallen. You can preach things that are true and doctrinally accurate and you have no love or, or anointing. You just irritate people. One... Let me share this, because doors are going to start to open for people in your youth, even before you get out of high school to speak. And I'm I'm going to tell you how to do it, because I've I've been in a few of those situations. I was preaching in Kensington, Philadelphia at a church. That's where the legal open drug injection place is in Philadelphia. There's one in Philadelphia. I think they're shutting the one down in Portland here, because it's bad. I think they announced it last week. They figured out it's actually not good for people to use drugs in public. It's like everyone's just rediscovering what people have known for 200 years. You know what? It's actually not good for people to be on drugs in public. That should be illegal. It was illegal. So you're talking about a a place that rotates in and out of the top five most dangerous, poorest places in America. I'm preaching at a church there. And then um, they'll tell this whole story. Then I'll play the video and then I'll pray for everybody. Because it's all coming back to me now like Celine Dion. So I'm preaching to this church and the pastor says, would you like to go across the street? There's a public school there and I have an in with the principal. He would like you to address the student body. And um, he said, you just can't talk about, no, the pastor didn't tell me, the principal told me before, you just can't, obviously you can't mention God or Jesus. So now I'm not saying this, I'm just telling you facts. I know for some reason this is like, you can't say stuff like this. I'm white. I don't know if you can see that or not. The high school was 100% black. Okay, so there's no, I have that against me. I can't go and say, now I know we've all got, I have nothing in common. I was raised in the suburbs by two preachers. I have nothing, I know what you guys are going through. And I, no, no kind of testimony that's going to interest anybody. And so I'm saying, Lord, what am, now, as I'm waiting for them to give me the microphone, the place is <laughs> out of control. You know, I had to go through two metal detectors to get into the school. Two. And then I go in. It's loud. People are throwing things. 
It looked like, like a, a movie. And, he, and if it was a movie where they were trying to show us a rowdy school, the director would be like, guys, dial it back a little bit. It was like unbelievably wild. So the vice principal gets up. Settle down. I'm going to start suspending people. Like that. Like you have to threaten expelling people from school to, to, to start an assembly. So it's, it mildly settles down. But it, you can tell it's still brewing. Like it's going to get back to that point at any given moment. We have a minister here today, like, which is like, yeah. Yeah. So, oh, that I knew I, what, there was a reason I came to school today. Thank you, God. You had the exact opposite reaction. We're going to have him speak. And I want you to show respect. So that's my introduction. So I get up and everybody's got their arms crossed looking at me like, you are you. <laughs> and the Lord, the Bible says, when you go to court, Jesus said, don't worry about what to say for the Holy Ghost will give you what to say. And he'll do that in every other situation too. And God gave me exactly what to say. And I'll tell you what it wasn't. Look at how you behave. Many of you are going to end up in print. No, no, no. I said, listen, I know it's early and I hated being in school at eight in the morning. So I'll make this quick. I said, there's a lot of you that you have a great life and you're enjoying things and having fun. I said, I can't help you that much. But I said, in a crowd this size, there would be a few of you that you're going through a miserable time at home and at school and you're battling things personally that people don't even know about. It is dead quiet. I said, for those of you that fit into that category, I can help. I said, because of our communist government, I'm not allowed to say anything about the G word. And I went like this, God. And I'm not allowed to talk about his son, Jesus Christ. I said, but I'm going to be at that church across the street from your high school tonight, seven o'clock. And I said, if you go there, I said, I promise you, you won't feel like you had your time wasted. I said, I'm going to tell you some important things out of the Bible and I'm going to pray for it for you. And I said, God will turn your life around tonight. And they nodded their heads. And then I said, Lord, give me a second. I said, I'm going to do something to sweeten the deal. I had no money back then. I said, I'm going to buy two iPads. I didn't even have an iPad or, or a laptop or anything. My wife and I used to do our, our ministry, like banking and stuff on, on, we had a phone, one phone between us. I said, I'm going to buy two iPads. And I said, we're going to hold a raffle tonight for who gets it. And I said, no church people are going to be allowed to be in the raffle. Only people from this high school. And I said, so I don't, I said, I wish I had enough money to get all of you on. But I said, I'm going to do that to seed something into your life. Because I believe not only is God going to turn around your life, you'll go to college, you'll have the equipment you need to, to, to exceed, and I'll do what I can for you. And I'm telling you, when you talk about miracles akin to raising the dead, for that place to go from what it was, then I say those few words and everyone goes like this. Like they believe me. You know, that's what the anointing does. They, people believe you. You don't have to get relate with people on like a flesh level. I, I'm I too am from the city and I've seen it. No, that's all soul. You just talk from your spirit. Not all have sent. Listen, people, that's what Jesus said. Come unto me, all ye that are weary. He didn't come down from heaven and say, I'm from heaven. I can't believe how you people live that. No, come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke. So you need to have that in you from Christ, that you look at a crowd, not because of your power, 
But come unto me, anybody that's having problems here, when you come, I'm going to pray, and the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is going to do for you what he's done for me. You must have that confidence. Not he might do it. He will do it. Because he's done it. So they shook their heads. Well, I get there that night. I'm telling you the challenges you put up with in the ministry. They're not devils. They're dummies. Nine out of ten things you deal with in, in the ministry are not demon spirits. They're stupid people. And backslidden Christian leaders. That's what you deal with. So I get there that night. This is the devil. I know the devil. I know his tricks. I get there. The whole school didn't come, but there's probably 40-some from the school, and it's a small church. So 40-some high school students, and they're all sitting warily at the back. They're not because they're, like, resisting, but, you know, they've never gone to church. You know, I don't know what I'm doing. I, this guy spoke. I decided to come. We'll see how it goes. So I'm like, all right, good. They get a guest worship leader in that night. It's this guy. People should be thankful I'm saved. I'd have just come up on stage and spin-kicked him. Taking the mic and started preaching. He's a lunatic charismatic. I'm a charismatic Pentecostal. I'm telling you, there, if you're a charismatic, I'm not trying to offend you. There is a wing of the charismatic movement that belongs in a white jacket with their arms tied behind their back. And this guy was from that wing. Because they've completely lost sight. Not that we gear our services so nothing offends anybody. But the only things that should offend people are Bible things, not lunacy. I'm a Christian, and I, I, I'm t I felt like the guy's going to ruin everything I did. I knew it. So he gets up. He starts singing this song, jumping from side. We're going to dance till the chains fall off. We're going to dance. White guy. And it's all black kids. And it's like, see, this is why. It looked like a Black Lives Matter recruitment video. Like... I was going to join Black Lives Matter. Like, I'll help wipe him out. So, <laughs> so I see, I look, and I, I knew, I knew, I knew. Sorry that the joke was so funny. I knew what was going to happen because I knew what I would be doing if I was 17. I mean, I'm out of here. And I'm a Christian. This guy's nuts gonna dance till the chains fall off th are you talking about so i see them all looking at each other he's gonna clear the whole room of the unsaved people and i get a, i lost sister clarita for the night So anytime I, I've ministered in the inner city, people, I don't like, I, I don't like white people. I, I get it, but just give me a chance. Amen. I don't like white people. Did you see that one guy lead worship in Philadelphia? Was that the, yes. Okay. That's the whole problem. That's the whole source of racial problems in America is that guy, in my opinion. <laughs> so I see them all looking at each other, getting ready to leave. And I get an idea. As he's singing, I go around. Don't laugh. Please don't laugh because I'm going to lose the service. But this is what I did. So I'm going to them two at a time. They're all spread out three at a time, five of them. I go, hey, listen, I know, I know you're not used to this music, but I just wanted to tell you, don't leave. I'm going to speak after this. This guy has mental problems. 
And I, I, I told you don't laugh. There's nothing funny about mental illness. I said, this guy has mental problems. I said, and they let him sing just because it makes him feel better. But so I said, I know it's weird, but, but just, just like put up with it because he's not all there. And all of them, as I went around, we're going like this. All right. It was like, oh, okay, it makes sense now. Okay, I get it. Yeah, he's, he's out of his mind. I don't even think he's a Christian. They just like, they're like helping him feel better. He's on two different kinds of medication. They conflicted. I literally, I'm telling you, I'm not lying. I was like, So I get up when they give me the mic after him. Is it like praise the Lord over? I was like, didn't he do good? And they're like, <laughs> because the devil might have a plan to wreck things, but God will give you a plan to turn it around. I pray every creative attack of the devil. Give him a hand clap, young people. He did a good job, huh? You did a good job. And the guy's looking at me because it's like I have mental problems now. So I'm talking to him like, like he's like sick. You did a good job. Tell him he did a good job, young people. Yeah. You're going to get some fruit roll-ups now. We're going to take you to the amusement park. You're getting a special line. Hallelujah. That's the kind of stuff, I'm telling you this, because that's the kind of stuff you deal with in the ministry. It's not demons, it's people like that. Because especially if you're in the charismatic flow, it is set up to not win the loss. That's why people stop giving altar calls. It's for people that are already in the club to soak in Abba's presence and do a bunch of weird stuff. But there should be an eye to the lost of the community to bring them in and compel them to be saved. Keep your eyes. This is not just to round each other up and encourage each other. It's to go out, bring people in, and get them saved. And I, I, had, I had about 100% of those kids that, that came get saved and gave the iPads away and got hugged. That was one meeting. That's what you do. These little, like that little Chuck E. Cheese game where those things come out and you bop them back in. That's what you do in the ministry. Things raise their head. God gives you a plan to knock it back down. God's going to give you that little spongy hammer tonight. And you're gonna, the things that used to take you out, you're going to knock those things in the head from this day forward. I'm telling you, you're going to go forward in Jesus' name. There's no thing that's going to rear its head that God won't give you a plan to knock it back down the hole in Jesus' mighty name. So rejoice and be glad because you have the victory. Go ahead and let the devil know. Make the devil nervous. Let him hear a roar of praise coming out of Oregon. Hallelujah. Say it right out loud. The Lord is good. And His mercy endures forever. One more time. The Lord is good. And His mercy endures forever. 
So when doors open up, those are the kind of doors that open up. How do you speak at a school? It's totally different than here. It's nice speaking at a church. Everybody's seated. You know, what, what, what do you do when, you, when a door's going to open up for you to do a school assembly? People are out like yelling. So that's what you do. You, you, the word will work in those situations. The word works. You know, it's funny. I, that was supposed to be my opening text. And I had two more and then I had points. And remember when I said in the beginning, the word is, is, is sharp and powerful. I said, boy, that'd be a good just to preach on that. And here we are. 917. That's the message for tonight. The word of God is alive and powerful. Put it up in the Amplified one more time. Hebrews 4, 12. Maybe I had it in the Amplified. For the word that God speaks is alive, full of power, making it active, operative, energizing, and effective. That's why I don't need sabbaticals. When you preach the word, it actually enter. I feel better at the end of the night than I did at the beginning of the night. Amen. 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 It's hard to stop. Because think of this, and then then I'll, I'll wind down. Do you notice the guys that need to take sabbaticals are the the guys that sit on the stools and do a 28-minute message, and they're always taking sabbaticals. Why? Because 28 minutes in the flesh is difficult. And two hours in the spirit is fun. Can you say amen? No water pipe ever goes thirsty. I had an older Christian tell me, boy, you you gave out a lot of your um, virtue tonight. I said, if it was my virtue I was giving out, I'd be dead. But the virtue you're giving out is not yours. It's Christ. And there's a limitless supply. It's just coming through you. And then as it comes through you, you get to taste of it first. You can preach your way. What, what somebody tries to get in an eight-month sabbatical, I, I can get in one night of preaching. Refreshed. Everybody say refreshed. For the word of God. The word that God speaks is alive and full of power. Making it active, operative, energizing, and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating to the dividing line of the breath of life, the soul, and the immortal spirit, and of joints and marrow of the deepest parts of our nature. It doesn't go into your head. It goes way down where a surgeon's knife can't go, and it pulls at people's hearts. You give me that Bible, and that's the great thing. If all the power died tonight, if the LED screen went down, I can still have a great meeting. But if you have to have smoke machines and... Human video, whatever the heck else, then you're you're limited in what you can do. But if you learn how to handle the word and get loaded with scripture, you can lead your whole call center to the Lord in Providence. You can have impact in a Kensington, Philadelphia high school. You can, you, you're unstoppable. That's what Paul had. Paul said they put me in prison, but the word of God cannot be chained. He was always pointing back to the word as a secret. Billy Graham did everything he did with no flag team. No prophetic praise. He did, it, he did it with the word. I'll show you the power of the word. You mix those other things in as accoutrements if you feel like it, but you never build it on those things. You know what Kenneth Hagin told the last class at Ramah before he went to heaven? My cousin was, was the last class that had him as an instructor. He named off every voice of healing evangelist and said they're all dead because they based their ministries on their gift. And he said, I'm still alive and preaching the gospel. Because I base my ministry on the word. The word will never go out of style. The word's not a fad. It's relevant to every generation. Can you say amen? Amen. Get it in your spirit like you're doing. All these young people have been here night after night, day after day. You're doing the right. You're getting loaded down. You're going to catch yourself saying different things tomorrow. 
You're going to catch different doors opening up for you. All the people that are here, you're going to come out. You're not going to come out of this meeting and, and, and tread water at the same level. There's a wave of the Spirit that's going to take you high. And when you hit the crest of the wave, you're going to go even higher. In Jesus' mighty name. Watch what Jesus did in Penn State, and then I'm going to pray for you. Go ahead and roll it, guys. I still get nervous watching it. This was actually the first time I ever paid money to film something I was doing with a crew. That's me. the guy that He's raised all the money guys, and all that. Speak to you guys a little bit. A quick message, right quick. Put your hands together for Jonathan Shuttlesworth. Thank you so much. Because they think I'm the last DJ. Been to see me, so thank you. So they're happy. Thank you. But soon they will not be happy. I appreciate you sticking around up until now. This is going to be the best part of your night. And if you listen. It's going to be something that will impact your life for the rest of your life. And that, how many of you are freshmen just starting out right now? What an awesome time to allow God to do something in your life tonight that will make sure that everything works out the way God wants it to. And I want to see that happen. You know, this is a little bit of a different party. Penn State. Most places that you go, most places that you go to party, you wake up in the morning and wonder what you did. The only difference on this one is we want you to lay your head to the pillow at night tonight and know that you have peace with God and that your sins are forgiven. This isn't about religious fanaticism. Jesus didn't die for religious fanatics. John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have everlasting life jesus said in matthew 7 broad is the way that leads to destruction but straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to everlasting life we know the easy thing to do is stay with the crowd or mock or say that's a bunch of foolishness but it takes courage and conviction to not bank your life and bank your eternal soul against the word of God that's always proved true. But to say, so I'm going to make now. up my mind. You can't speak for the whole group. The word You can only the, speak the for you. You can make up your mind tonight and say, as for me and my life, I'm not going to go to hell. I'm going to make Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior. If you say, Jonathan, that's me. I don't know that I'm saved or I know that I'm not saved. But tonight I want to give my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. If that's you, I want you to put your hand up high and wave it at me right now. And we're going to pray. God bless you. Keep it up in the air. God bless you. Look all over this place. Wonderful. Praise the Lord God. Hallelujah. Well, go ahead and clap as they lift their hands. You made my night. I start preaching in Ohio in the morning, so I have to leave right after this. But this, I'm going to drive back with a big smile on my face. Because I know God's going to do a great work right now. This is what I want. Only because 
This isn't my way of doing things. This is God's way of doing things. He said, if you confess me before men. So August 30th, 2014, for the rest of your life will be the day where when you lay your head to the pillow, you can say, I know I'm saved. See how they're like because eight, nine-year-olds at a vacation field, Bible school? I came out of the crowd, and like Jesus said, I confessed Watch this girl with her boyfriend. I want every person that lifted a hand that meant business with God. I want you to come around this barrier and meet me right in front of the speakers, and we're going to pray together. I won't hold you long. I'm not going to do anything strange, but I want you to come out of the crowd and join me right here in Jesus' name. Go ahead, clap for them as they come. Keep clapping. Get you a girlfriend like that. The hands that clap for souls will never be empty. Come right around the barrier and meet me right here. Welcome. They don't even know what to do. Then they face the crowd like we're going to stone them. God bless every one of you. Totally, totally. I'm so proud of you. I'm so happy for you. This is not a game. This is real. This is not some religious thing. This is when God reaches down from heaven and changes your heart. I only do this, not so this turns into some religious recital. Some people have never prayed. So I'm going to give you the words to say. And I want you to say them from the bottom of your heart. Come on, say it out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, I've come forward tonight to show you that I'm, I mean business with you. I'm sorry for my sins. Please forgive me. Have mercy on me. I need your help. I'm not like everybody else. So I don't want to live like everybody else. I want to live for you. I want to fulfill the destiny you have for me. In Jesus' name. Now say this. I believe in my heart. You raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth. Jesus is Lord. And my Savior. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Make me like you. Give me a new heart. Cleanse my mind. Make me new. In Jesus' name. I am saved. I am a Christian. God is my Father. Heaven is my home. And I'll live forever. And I will not turn back. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. One more time, give a great hand clap to Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I love you. God bless every one of you. Isn't that awesome? And that was cut down to five minutes or whatever. That, that part of them yelling over top of me went a while. Just like God told me, it went about seven minutes. Seven of the 28 minutes. Then they got quiet, er, then quiet, then they melted. That's how you st- stand and let it rip. Don't let the people back you down. And then the guys in the Bible, forget that. They have people picking up stones to hurl it while they're preaching. So that, that's what you do. Second Peter 3, verse 1. Just listen as I read it. This is my second letter to you, dear friends, and in both of them I've tried to stimulate your wholesome thinking and refresh your memory. I want you to remember what the Holy Prophet said long ago. And what our Lord and Savior commanded through your apostles. Most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come, mocking the truth and following their own desires. This is what they'll say. What happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? 
from before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. They deliberately forget that God made the heavens long ago by the word of his command. And he brought the earth out from the water and surrounded it with water. Then he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. And by the same word, the present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire. They are being kept for the day of judgment when ungodly people will perish. That's what the rainbow means in the sky. It's a sign of God's covenant that never again will he destroy the world with a flood. But it will be destroyed by fire. Use all the paper straws you want. It's not going to change a thing. This earth is going to pass away. And so you see, you basically can tell where people are at. Because when people don't know the Lord, they're trying to cling on to this earth. Because it's the only one they got. But this earth is passing away. And the Bible says, we're looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth. Where everyone's right with God. Verse 8. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. Say that with me. A day is like a thousand years. Two thousand years from Adam to Abraham. Two thousand years. I'm talking exactly, if you do the math. Two thousand years from Adam to Abraham. Two thousand years from Abraham to the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Christ, which was the birth of the church. That's where people got the Y2K thing from because they know a day, it's been 2,000 years. You know in the Old Testament it says, one day, two day, then on the third day I'll revive. So there's a 2,000 year window and then the third day of 1,000 years is the millennium that's God's day. And so people thought it was going to be when we hit the year 2000 because it's been 2000 years since the birth of Christ. But the birth of Christ was not what marked the next age. The death, burial, ascension, and resurrection of Christ and the birth of the church is what did it, which was AD 34. So why is it that the United Nations, World Economic Forum, are obsessed with by 2030 having the exact structure in place that's needed for the book of Revelation to come to pass? One world government, no private fishing, no private farming, no private water. Nobody will own anything. Nobody can buy or sell anything without digital currency implanted in their body. Just like the Bible said. Jesus, they've been saying Jesus is going to come back for You can see it now. The COVID lockdowns were a test run, but it's not time yet. But they're regrouping now to make it time. And I'm not sticking around for it. There's going to be an, we are not appointed under wrath. The church will be removed. This is the hour to let people know you don't have to go down with the ship. There's an escape. That you pray that ye be counted worthy to escape the things that are to come. You must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years. I'm not saying God, Christ is coming in 2034. It might not take that long. I'm saying you can see where we're at. But it just seems like things are different. Yes. Follow that train of thought. As it was in the days of Sodom. The days of Lot. Sodom and Gomorrah. So it will be in the day when the Son of Man returns. What, what was Sodom and Gomorrah? Obsessed with homosexuality. Obsessed with sexual perversion. Lester Summerall prophesied that in the 1980s. People thought he lost his mind. He said, the Lord showed me the day will come where there'll be gay pride parades in America and the mayors will lead the parades. 
At that point, he prophesied it. Homosexuality was illegal. There were sodomy laws. Not gay marriage, homosexuality. But the Bible says it's a sign. Not that you get mad about it. When you see the place turn into Sodom and Gomorrah, as it was in the days of Noah. What was Noah? Men's hearts were desperately wicked, and all they ever thought about was violence. Did you see that video of those, those kids that stole a car in Las Vegas? And saw that retired police chief riding a bike at 6 in the morning and said, hit him, hit him. And drilled him at 50 miles an hour and killed him. Just celebrating his birthday the week before. That's, it. That's a sign. When you see it, look up for your redemption draws nigh. If my wife hasn't gone to bed yet, I thank God for you. I thank God for Camila. They get it. I'm glad and I thank you, God, that you somehow used me to get into their spirits what my dad got into my spirit because I was never sad to see him go on the road. I knew what he was doing. I was proud he was going to tell people about Jesus and couldn't wait to hear the stories when he came back. And I told you, I, I, was, I was a little tired Sunday after church. And I sat down. I said, I got eight minutes to Camila and, and Adonis. I said, let me sit by my girls. And I had them like this. I said, I'm sorry I have to go, Camila. She said, I'm not. I said, why not? She went, because you're doing what God told you to do. I said, yeah, but why do I have to do it? She went, because how can they hear unless somebody tells them? Yeah. I said, all right, you've encouraged me. I said, don't miss me. I'll be back. In, you know, I won't. I'm gonna be. She said, I'll be in school. I'll be work, working on things. I'll see you next week. I like that. And that's how what I got. I knew my dad. I liked what he was doing. If he was a Navy SEAL or a Green Beret, I wouldn't have been more proud of him. I, I liked what he was doing. Going out and telling people about Jesus. And I'm telling you, that has to come back to the church where you celebrate evangelism. Amen. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise to return. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed. So he's giving more time for everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away. Now, this is clearly, you know, I've used to shade my comments more. How is this not talking about nuclear war? The day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise. Where are those weapons detonated? On the ground or in the air? And the very elements themselves will melt away in the flames. What was there even available in the first century for Peter that elements would be melted away? There's nothing. Everything will melt away in the intensity of the heat. And the earth and everything on it will be exposed to judgment. Since everything around us is going to be burned up. What holy, godly lives you should be living. Looking forward to the day of God. And hurrying it along. On that day he will set the heavens on fire. And the elements will melt away in the flames. But we are looking forward. Did you ever read that prophecy that A.A. Allen gave? He was on top of the Empire State Building in the 1950s. And he looked through that thing that you put a quarter in to, to see how far you can see. And when he looked into it, he got caught in an open vision. Now, what he prophesied in the 50s wasn't, wasn't even in existence. He said, I saw hundreds and thousands of missiles come out of the Atlantic Ocean and the Pacific Ocean and detonate in the sky and destroyed, he said, I saw when the Bible said that a third of the population of earth will die in one day, I saw it. And he said, the missiles came from under the sea. How do you even prophesy that in 1950? The missiles came from under the sea. And then now they tell you, 
when, when they run those uh, doomsday drills or whatever, the most likely place they're, they're going to fire nuclear warheads from are from, are from submarines. And, the, you know, you could just read the Bible and you'd know that ahead of time. But we are looking forward to a new heavens. Well, that's scary. Yes, then get saved. The Bible says some saved by fear. My dad used to preach on Bible prophecy. People would be coming to the front to get saved with their pants slightly peed. I remember I invited two of my friends to watch A Thief in the Night at church. I was 10. They were 15 and 16. We played street hockey together. When they gave the invitation, if you wanted to get saved, I looked at them. They were like chalk white, like sick looking. I went, you want to get saved? They went. So, dear friends, verse 14, while you're waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. That's the second time it said that. What's your response to knowing these things are going to happen? Posting twice a day on Facebook? No. First, what should be the number one goal of every Christian? If I, if I took a show of hands, we'd go around. We wouldn't get it. Prayer to lead people to Christ. The number one goal is to make heaven yourself. Because you're not going to do any of the other things if you let that one slip. That's why the Bible says, knowing these things, Peter didn't say, knowing all this is going to happen, we should be fasting and praying. That, that's in there too. But the foremost thing is keeping my garments white under the coming of the Lord. Keeping a close watch. Paul, after everything Paul did, he said, I keep a close watch on myself, what I teach, and how I live. Yeah. You know, there's a guy, I don't have a, a, a voice into his life. But if I caught myself starting to teach stuff like, I mean, now you're going to work your way into heaven so you can't send your way out of heaven. You're, you're going to go to hell. You're on your way out. You're starting to preach weird doctrine. So you clearly have nobody over you or the, the only people you have over you just use you for, make money for them with booking fees and whatever. Watch what you preach. Watch what you're teaching. Why are you using the pulpit to excuse sin every Sunday? I mean, we all sin. Don't judge me because I sin different. You got a problem. What pure and holy lives. Is this letter being written to the general population or to Christians? Christians. You've been sanctified. Stay in the sanctification work of Christ. Yeah, but we're under God's grace. Does the Bible say or not say that you can frustrate the grace of God? It's right in there. So, dear friends, I know people say the opposite, but if you listen to me, you'll go to heaven. And you'll do better. I do better than them. I'll be around when they're gone. Because I'm not preaching something that God invented six years ago. Can you say amen? amen? This is old school doctrine. What I preach, if Smith Wigglesworth listening to me, he'd be clapping. I preach what he preaches. I preach what John Lake preaches. I preach what D.O. Moody preaches. I preach what Billy Graham preached. Preach what these new people with their Instagram lives preach. While you're waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. And remember, the Lord is waiting. Why hasn't he come back yet? The Lord is waiting so people have time to be saved. The secret to the money that's flowing in now at the eight-figure mark into our ministry. We'll crest $20 million this year, up from $3 million four years ago. We take in a, a, a month what we took in a year just a few years ago, and we take in a week what we used to take in a year. Why? Because I figured out what God wants done. There's no money 
in preaching to a bunch of mocking, unsaved uh, uh, university students? No. But if God wants people saved, then I figured out, Lord, instead of me trying to use you to make my dreams come true, what is it that you want done? And take me and use me for that purpose. And when you do it that way, seek ye first the building of the kingdom of God the advancement of the kingdom of God and his righteousness when you do all the other things. Stand on your feet, everybody. I'm at the tail end of this message. I'm trying to give you a little insight into, into that. I never had a jet on a vision board. It just found me. Because when you put that God's thing first, God will give you what, what you would spend 200 years working your fingers to the bone to try to get. I'll add it unto you. Put my thing first. And men and brethren, I can say it. I'm not saying this arrogantly or out of pride. But I could say with a pure heart, the advancement of God's kingdom is chief in my life. When my wife hemorrhaged out 37% of her blood, I told her, because I told her before we got married, I said, I have a covenant with God. I said, so I'm sending you home with your sister. She's going to take you to the hospital and take care of you. I can't heal you by standing here holding your hand. I have meetings this week. I'm going to preach. Never mention it to the pastor that my wife's on the verge of death. And I told the Lord after my wife left the room, I said, when I was eight, you sent that angel into my room before I ever met her and said, I've called you to preach. And I told you I would and I would. I'm going to do your thing. I expect you to take care of my thing. And I did. And he did. When you put God first, he gives you all the other things. Me holding her hand looking sorrowful is not going to get the blood back and her iron count back up. Amen. She's too healthy now. Threatening motorists. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God's the easiest person there is to figure out. He just wants to be first. Put him first. Give him the first hours of a new week in his house. Give him the first 10% of everything that comes into your hand. Give him your firstborn child. Give him your firstborn animals. Do it. Give him the first of everything that comes into your hand. Give him the best and he'll give you so. <laughs> he'll take you where you never, you'll just, you'll just be walking around with your mouth open laughing. Saying surely the Lord has done great things. My dad never gave two poos about a house or money. He's an old school preacher. He talked to Morocco that just preached for me. You should see his home in Maui. It's got to be worth, he probably doesn't want me saying this, minimum in Maui. That, it, it, it's an estate. It looks like a map on modern warfare. It actually looks like that house estate on modern warfare too, to be honest with you. It's worth about $35 million, I'd say. It was given to him. That guy couldn't care. There's nothing even to buy him. He doesn't care about anything. He doesn't care. He cares about preaching. My dad's the same way. And a lady called him one day and said, Tiff, the Lord spoke to me to give you my house. It's the biggest house in that city with the most acreage. Yeah, no vision board. No confessing somebody out of a house. Just put souls first. My, where's my dad right now? He's not even in the house. He's in Wasilla, Alaska, preaching, going up on 70 years old. Preach and preach and preach. Get people saved. That's all he cares about. My dad goes to the villages in northern Alaska where he used to get picked up by dog sled teams. Villages that never had anybody tell him about Jesus and stays there a week. One time there's 600 people in the village. 400 of them gave their life to the Lord. First time. Oh, yeah. 62. 
started living, he lives in Maine, started living out in the backyard a week at a time and, and making fires with flint and steel to prepare to go, to go up there and preach in, in the village. That's, that's who raised me. That's why, you know, he called me one time when I, when I kept the ministry open and I made national, international news and was in trouble. He said, are you sure, you sure you're doing, sure you know what you're doing? I said, dad, you radicalized me. I was four years old sitting in the front row and you, you preaching every night about how heaven and hell and people getting saved is the most important thing. So sorry, sorry that you turned me into the Osama bin Laden of Christianity. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Radical commitment for Christ. Radical commitment. Radical. Say with me. Radical. radical. Genuine. Genuine. Commitment to Christ. Not some fake radical commitment where you get worked up when you're in church. I'm talking a real one. Where somebody can't be your friend for very long without getting saved. The guys that unload our private jet when we land at the airport, I think three of the four of them have been to church. One of them came up and got saved with his mother and his mother said, I gave my son, uh, I gave birth to my son, but today God used you to give him life. Said, look at his face. Yeah. yeah. When our plane lands in Pittsburgh at the private airport, they line up to hug me. Four guys. Looks like a gay airport. When I bring guests on the plane, they're like, what the heck? They're going to hug every guy. Pray for them. Send lunch over one, one, once a week. Care for people. That's what has to come to you. That's what got preached into you tonight. There's people here right now that the Lord's already given you instructions on where to go from tonight. You're never going to be the same. You'll never be the same. Filled in Jesus' name. You'll never be the same. You'll be a different preacher. Every time you feel like clapping from here on out, just lift your hands instead of begin to thank God out of your mouth. Say out loud, I'll never be the same. Say tonight, I've been touched by the fire. The fire of Pentecost. You know what the fire of Pentecost will do? It'll take you from a guy that denies Christ to three girls at a campfire. And have you stand on, on, on a place and tell thousands of people that are mocking you. Ye men of Galilee, Jerusalem, listen to me. Some of you are saying these people are drunk, but you don't know what you're talking about. People don't get drunk by 9 o'clock in the morning. No, what you're seeing now was predicted by the prophet Joel and preach. How did, where did that Peter come from? Where did that guy come from? The fire. You don't care. You don't care. You're immune to people's opinions. You're immune to people's insults. Insults are differences of opinion harshly expressed. Don't care. Not important to me. My, what's important is that person's soul. I'm not taking anything personally. I'm going I'm to do what God's called me to do and be, and, and I'm going to accomplish my mission. I pray right now that there wouldn't be one person that leaves this place tonight without a divine mission. The Great Commission is too big for any person to fulfill it. Everybody has their piece of it. I'm rooting Pastor Lou on in Salem, Oregon. This is not my assignment, but it's his. And I'm glad it... I, I, I'm not one of the person, and if I was there, I'd do this. I've pastor me, if, if you were me, what would you do? I said, if I, I, I don't know. If I was pastor in the church, there'd probably be eight people here. It's not my thing. It's your thing. 
You'll do it. So he bites this off. Pastor Rodney has Tampa and the, what God has him doing on top of that. Me, Pittsburgh, and then he adds Fort Worth. Because he, he who uses well what he's been given, he'll be given more and have an abundance. So you, that's just how it goes. You get added to your plate. If you're a faithful servant, God keeps entrusting you with more responsibility in the kingdom. But it's a responsibility. It's not a seat you hold in a, in a desk you sit behind, which I thought it was. I had a big office set up in, in our property, 107 Patton Drive in Coriopolis. I, I, I had that in my head. We're going to say, oh man, I'll be home on Sundays now. I, there's a restaurant I like in downtown Pittsburgh. I'm going to have brunch there with Adonis and Camila after church. I'm going to be a pastor with an office and I'll be at the office. And that ship sailed. I'm eating my meals on a plane on the way to preach at night in another location. And I'm very thankful for it. Because when you, when you show the Lord that you're all in for him, he'll give you more responsibilities, but then he'll give you a, a reward, a higher level of reward. Can you say amen? amen. He's going to do that for you. He's going to start using you in your youth. I see the Lord touching people even, even right now. Even right now. This man in the navy blue shirt right here. He looks like he's about 6'3 or so. Just tap him and have him come out. Just lift your hands right there. As you do, the power of God comes upon you. The same power that delivered you out of your former life. The Lord fills you with that power to deliver others. And the faith to see people delivered out of it's already in you because the Lord's done it for you. And he's going to use you mightily. Jesus mighty name. Jesus name. I want everybody who's called. Were you here when I was here in April of 2022? Yes. You're from Washington? I remember you. Is that lady with you? Both of you, come on, I'm going to pray for both of you. Lift your hands to the Lord. Today I open a new door for you, says the Lord. All the things that pertain to the ministry aren't going to be frustrating. The door's going to be open. The things you admire in my ministry are going to work in your ministry where it's just where everything seems easy because everything is easy. It's like putting a raft in a, in a current and just going downhill. In Jesus' mighty name, won't be a struggle. In Jesus' name. God will bless your daughter like he blessed my daughter. In Jesus' name, he's going to use you mightily. Use you mightily. Every hand lifted. I don't know that, that you're a minister, but I, I feel to pray for you. Come right around. In Jesus' name, sorry that I scared you. One hand on your belly, one hand on your heart, like I've had a ton of people do. Lord's going to heal your body right now from the inside out. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' mighty name.
in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord God. Abraham, give me those uh, books, those children's books my wife made. What's your name? What's your name? We'll do it another time. I want every person that's 18 or younger that's in this section that would like prayer. Obviously, if you're 18 or younger and you're a little leery of me, like my little friend uh, there, you need another time or two to get used to things. But there's some of you who've been in every meeting, even the morning meetings. Some of you have been in every night meeting, and God's doing something on the inside of you, and you sense that. I want to have everybody 18 and younger that feels that draw come and just line straight across the front. In Jesus' name. do this a lot maybe I should do it more but when I lay hands on you I'm going to impart the gift and office of the evangelist and God's going to raise thank you father for raising new generation Charles prices that have tailor-made spiritual equipment for the Pacific Northwest in Jesus' name. I thank you for it and I give you praise. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Blessed be your name forever and ever. When I lay my hands on you, I loose the fire of the Holy Ghost. Some of you young people that were watching, between my story, some of you was the story, some of you was watching the Penn State thing, it was like the Lord was speaking to you. You can do that. You can do that. Somebody look up for me online. The lady that's got my, oh, you have a, a phone on you? Look up where T.L. Osborne pastored in Oregon. You know that missionary that I was talking about that had all those great meetings? He went to India and never got one person saved in two years. Then he came back home on furlough and took a church in Oregon. I'm almost positive it was Oregon and um, just fasted and prayed most of the time, asking the Lord why he screwed up, like what, why it doesn't work. And he got relaunched out of Oregon. Actually, he went to go see William Branham in Oregon, saw William Branham operate in the, in the gifts of the Spirit. Where was that, in Portland? I'd like to look that up where, where the meeting was. William Branham would call people out, like you hear me say, put your hand on, he would tell people their first and last name, their address, and then what the doctor had told him, the FBI attended the meetings because they thought he had some piece of technology they didn't have. <laughs> McMinnville. How far from here is that? Where in McMinnville was it? At the armory? All right. Well, see, if you, I'm just curious. I, I won't even mind driving by and seeing it. Because, you know, you think Oregon's so far gone. We're not talking about 200 years ago. We're talking about when people that are alive now were, were there. God used this state 
God used Washington State. John G. Lake, they sent somebody from the government, I think it was pre-CDC, to announce Spokane as the healthiest city in the United States from him praying for people. So the devil's not going to have this, this place. He's like a new tenant. He doesn't even have the place. And we're evicting him. As sheriff, I've made up my mind, he's evicted. Every hand lifted across the front. God's going to raise people like that up. Charles Price, T.L. Osborne, William Branham. Prokoto Stone, Diana May. Bishkon, Diana Matia. Tondo Re Basta. Tan Diana Mondie. Tondo Re Pa. Not only is the enemy not going to have you, God's going to use you to pull other people out. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Every private battle you fight ends tonight. In the name of Jesus. The first person God sets free is you. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for signs and wonders. Thank you for anointing people with your fire and with your power. In Jesus' name. Now, whose kid is this with the red hair? Parents here or not here? If, I, if DraftKings would give me odds on it, I would bet that kid is going to be in full-time ministry. So keep your eye on him and help him. Be used mightily. 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 Father, anoint people tonight to not be boring. Friggin' terrible to listen to. In Jesus' name. An anointing to not be freaking terrible to listen to. Receive it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. Everybody in this section, seated or standing, doesn't matter. Lift both hands to the Lord. Be blessed. Receive a fresh filling of the Holy Ghost and fire. Fresh filling of the Holy Ghost and fire. I loose the anointing to come through like a wave. Drive out every sickness. Drive out every disease. Drive out every depression. Where was that meeting in McMinnville? Oh, his church was in McMinnville. So the meeting with Brandon was in Portland. Where was it held? Does it say? So he was a kid when T.L. Osborne was pastor in McMinnville. So I told him, I'm not making stuff up. And obviously the Lord's bringing it up. It's not like I was studying history. This is all coming out of, into my spirit. You know, Oregon's just so lost. No, it's not. Amen. There are wells 
deep wells in Oregon that have shallow dirt on them that were drilling through and that was been planted here is rising up again in Jesus mighty name Now, as the Lord's called you into the ministry, then that narrows the field of who you can date. You can't date dumb people. If you have trouble telling whether they're dumb or not, look in their eyes. They have dumb eyes. Like, like they look like a deer. But then if they have sharp eyes, they love God. God's first. My first date with Adalis. I wasn't planning on doing it, but then we went to dinner and then we went out for coffee after and we talked and she brought it up. She was in Bible school about the ministry. And I said, now listen, if we get married, you should know that I have a pre prior commitment. I have a covenant with God to be an evangelist. And that, that is my thing. I said, and if you'd like to come along for the ride, that's not me giving you a, a caveat that I'm going to be a garbage husband. I'll be a great husband. But my first commitment is to God and the establishment of the kingdom of God. And you'll, you'll be one A, not two, you'll be one A. If you agree to that, you can come along. And if you don't agree to it, I totally understand. See, I, I agree, I'm training for that. And that's what we've done, and the Lord's gr graced us that way. She's usually, she's usually on the road with me. She was on the road with me up till Camila started school. I told you I, put her, I, I wanted to put her in school. One of her classmates punched her in the face for no reason, and that's why I put her in school. So you realize that sometimes people punch you in the face for no reason. Everything's not giggling Christians. Amen. I know that sounds cruel. I didn't pay the kid to punch her, but that's, I wanted her to, to know what it's like to have a teacher that hates you for no reason and five people that want to beat you up and you didn't do anything wrong. That's life. It's that when you're in school, then it's permit board people when you're older. Amen. I'll see her. I'll be with them all next week. Let me pray for this couple right here. White dress shirt and black dress. Met you at the uh, lunch on Tuesday. Stand shoulder to shoulder. Lift both hands to the Lord. As you've purposed in your heart, I don't know uh, what, what you talked about privately recently, that you were going to make a move that dealt with putting the kingdom first. The Lord is going to, when you made that vow or made that agreement together that you were going to make that move, all the other things that you felt like you were gonna kind of put on the back burner and do the kingdom thing instead, the Lord's gonna bring that and more into your possession before the end of this year. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You never truly give up anything for God. Anyone that gives up their life for my sake and the sake of the gospel will find true life. Can you say amen? amen? You know, next week, just so you don't feel bad, like I'm, I'm, I'm not away from my wife. We, I see her every week because I'm back for, for Sunday and I'm home a, a lot of weeks. But next week, we're going to be at one of the nicest hotels in Colorado for our anniversary. Somebody got it for us. The more you try to give up things for the Lord, and I'm telling you, Hear what I'm saying. Don't use your ministry as an excuse to be a trash husband. I'm a great husband. I'm probably the best husband. To, I say this humbly. I'm probably the best husband there's ever been. 
and my kid loves me. She always will. I make up for a lot. I just took him to Arizona for two weeks and did nothing but spend time with him. Next time I go, I'm not even going to take my phone with me. I was in the pool with Camila seven hours at a shot, just me and her talking. So I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, using Jesus as an excuse to be a, 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 a trash human being. You can balance it easy. Give them your time. Give them your heart. Amen? Every head bow. Let me pray for another person. This lady with the glasses on. And, uh, yeah, you. And then, are you with her? Step out into the aisle if you would. Power of God's on you. Were you, were you playing anointing, fall on me? Do you know that song? I'm going to have you singing after I pray for them. Just stand right there, it's fine. Lift both your hands. I like how the youth didn't shuffle out from the altar. It's good, good to stay around the altar. Lift your hands up even higher as you do, the fire of God falls upon you. As you do, the fire of God falls upon you. In Jesus' name. That's it. To be used mightily of God. Mightily. A mighty spirit. An unconquerable spirit. In Jesus' name. Got a live one. In the name of Jesus. Every hand lifted. Let's sing this one time together. Go ahead, Sister Clarita. Anointing. one more time from your heart making a prayer to God right now worship the Lord in the spirit if you're not filled with the Holy Ghost receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost right now let it bubble up out of your spirit be filled let the infilling of the Holy Spirit flow like a river in this place in the people's spirits now you can feel the anointing increasing Ikandiana mo, mundo rebastan diara mo, 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for health and life and strength and direction and clarity. The absence of confusion. Thank you for spiritual strength. Strength in the inner man. Stir up the gift that came on the inside of you when I laid my hands on you. This lady with the uh, black dress and then the brownish uh, shawl, lift your hands up even higher. Close both eyes. As you do the power, the manifest power of God falls upon you right now in Jesus' name. Go right through you. In Jesus' name. This guy in the black short sleeve shirt, and then you have the lady in the gray next to you. You two are together. Step out into the aisle, shoulder to shoulder. Lift your hands up, all the way up. As you do, the power of God that's on you comes upon you even stronger. Filled. Filled. Whatever attack came in the last three years that the enemy meant to bruise you and make you where it would almost kind of deaden your faith, the Lord heals that bruise and gives you a double portion of that faith from the Word tonight. And you will fulfill every plan God has for you. In Jesus' name. That's it. Receive the gift of faith right into your belly. That's it. That's it. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You are great and greatly to be praised. Thank you, O Lord. Majestic God, wonderful Jesus. Fairest of 10,000, bright and morning star. Great I am. This lady with her hands lifted, right here. Step right under the aisle if you can make it. If there's room, try to find room. Lift your hands all the way up. Close both eyes. You look very healthy to look at you. The Lord's going to heal something on the inside. In Jesus' name. And here's a fresh. Uh, this is like something God's given you from heaven to counteract. Similar to what I just told that other lady. Like an attack that came that kind of knocked you back and took the wind out of your sails. But now times of refreshing come from the Holy Spirit. And he puts you back stronger than you were before. That's it. Go right into you. That's a gift going into your body and into your spirit. And that's it. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. This lady in the electric blue and black, standing next to the guy with the hat on, just take one step forward. Lift your hands all the way up. similar to the other two this is a gift from heaven that the lord's putting in your body and your spirit that whatever knock came from the enemy to kind of take the like a punch in the stomach take the wind out of your sails and the goal was to deaden your faith but see the lord puts that gift back in you now and you come out stronger in jesus name that's it go right on the inside of you right from heaven Right from heaven. Come out of this being the strongest you've ever been. In Jesus' name. That's it. More. 
more more in Jesus mighty name in Jesus name fresh wind from heaven fresh wind to set at liberty those that have been bruised in Jesus mighty name in the name of Jesus thank you Lord thank you Lord Jesus that's it go right through you in Jesus name thank you Lord God thank you Lord Jesus thank you Heavenly Father you know since the Lord had me bring it up, T.L. Osborne went to India and came back a failure. Those are his words, not me criticizing him. What do you do when you failed? What do you do when something didn't work out the way that you th thought it was going to? He could easily come back and say, well, I, I tried that stuff, doesn't work. Like sometimes. No, he pressed in. And he won. He broke through. There's people that are here tonight you went in the right direction and you gave it your all. He didn't not try his hardest. And things didn't work. That's the third person that I prayed for that's a similar thing that the Lord ministered to. And it deadened your faith. What if Theo Osborne had come back and said, I prayed for people in India, nobody got healed, nobody got saved. So, I, you know, I used to think, and, and then, then the enemy had his way to sideline somebody. There's people here that in the spirit, you've been sidelined, but the coach is calling you back onto the field. And what the devil sent to deaden your faith, the Lord imparted faith. God's had me on faith since Sunday night. He put that faith back in you to go back on the field and win the second half. You're not going to stay on the sideline with a story about how things didn't work out and have a K-Love testimony about we try our hardest, but sometimes the mountain doesn't move and we climb. No. You're going to go back and you're going to speak to that thing a second time and it's going to move and you're going to accomplish God's purpose for your life and there's not a thing the devil can do about it. In Jesus' name. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here and in that deadening of your spirit, that attack that came, things not working out like you had prayed and believed. You allowed your relationship with God to get sloppy, church attendance, spotty, or non-existent. You know, then you live in this state, if you wanted to go to church, or in this area, you know, there was nowhere to go. Your church closed down. During that time, people have a hard enough time living for the Lord when church is open. You close church down for two years, you basically, you basically are, are tantamount and have a hand in killing people. More people died under the age of 60 from alcohol-related causes during the lockdown than of COVID. Drank themselves to death with nonstop fear and nowhere to go to get any faith. Even on TV, people were just replaying their programs from three years ago. They were gonna talk about the power of saying no and time management. No care for people. And you suffered from that. But this is what God's using this church for, this week of meetings for. It's to not let the devil who had the first laugh have the last laugh. Say, no, I'm going to have the last laugh. Me and Jesus are going to write a new chapter. I'm giving my life to him. I'm turning my back on sin. I'm saying no to spiritual indifference and lukewarmness. I'm crossing the line and making Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior.
Where did you come in from? You, you live here in Salem? You go to church here? Do you have a church? Take two steps forward and lift both hands. Now you are a pastor, and that's coming from somebody who followed Lester Summerall that said 90% of pastors are nothing more than glorified bookkeepers. So everybody that has a church and says they're a pastor is not a pastor, but you have that heavenly office on you. As I move towards you, I feel the prayers that came from people in your family and people when you were growing up in church that set you apart by consecration and prayer to the work of the Lord. And God's answered their prayers. And now I piggyback on their prayers that as you've started off on the right path and been found faithful, now the Lord begins to open bigger doors and the visible blessing begins to come upon your church. Your preaching will go to another level and the manifestation of the Spirit off of your preaching will go to another level in Jesus' mighty name. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you say, Jonathan, I've never given my life to Jesus Christ. I'm going to call you tonight, everybody in this crowd, to do the same thing I called those university students to do. Everyone must do that before they die or they'll go to hell. If you've never publicly made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, you don't have to do it publicly. God sees that hand. 30 years of giving camouflage altar calls has produced a generation of camouflage Christians. They work a job for 20 years and their boss doesn't even know they're a Christian. That's why you don't have Sundays off. Your boss, probably if he knew you're a Christian, he'd give you Sunday off without you asking. But no. You came from that generation I came from. Nobody has to come forward. God sees that hand. Scan the QR code on the screen. Join our next steps class. The Bible says, come out from among them and be ye separate. Touch not the unclean thing. How did they know 3,000 were added to the church the day Peter preached? They didn't count how many people scanned the QR code. They'd had to count heads of how many came out of the mocking crowd and joined the church. I don't believe in altar calls. I wish you could have been alive when Billy Graham was in his prime so you could have corrected his ministry. Think how much more effective he'd have been if he knew what you knew. Who do people think they are? believe in altar calls. Who are you again? No one's ever heard of you. No one ever will hear of you. If you're here and you mean business with God, Jesus is not coming back for a girlfriend or a fiance. He's coming back for a bride. What's the difference? All three women love the guy they're with, but one has stood at an altar and made a public covenant that I'm with that guy forever. If you're here and you say, Jonathan, I need to do that, or I once did it and fell away and I need to come back, I want you to quickly put your hand up high and we're going to pray together in Jesus' name. This is my, my day. I need to give my life to the Lord. Put your hand up. Tonight's my night. I see you. I see you. I see you. That's great. Dam's breaking. Who else? I see you. The Lord's wrestling with your heart. I see you. Going. All right, good. There's more. Who else? Very quickly, all of you that lifted your hand, those of you with more boldness, do it first. It'll help 
those that are a little more timid come out of your seat come and stand at the altar with the youth that are already here in jesus name come right now in jesus name come go ahead and sing it as they come sing it if you know it before we pray. God bless you as you come. Sing it all across this room. bless you as you come and move in as close as you can and I'm going to pray with you in Jesus mighty name those of you that have come forward lift both hands to the Lord say this prayer after me say it to God God's going to do a work in you even as you pray say this out loud Heavenly Father I give you my life I turn my back on sin I believe in my heart You raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord and my Savior. Right now, I receive forgiveness by the blood of Jesus. I am saved. I am forgiven. I am clean. Thank you for a new life. Thank you for forgiveness. I receive it now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for sharing the Jonathan Shuttlesworth podcast. If you're interested in supporting our mission to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, please visit revivaltoday.com and click on Give Now to become one of our monthly partners. Thank you in advance. We hope to see you soon.